But come on, I am excited. I am so excited for today because we have an amazing speaker, y'all. You don't even know. Oh, some of y'all have heard. Okay. Okay. Let me introduce her. All right. I know you're excited. Come on. Today, we really, it is a privilege because I'm telling you, Pastor Jen Timberlake has such a heart for you, for OP. I'm telling you, man, I, I know she prays for you. She asked about you. I, I know the Timberlakes love Orange Park. I am telling you, they have such a passion for Celebration Church and what God is doing here. And so I know if Pastor Jen Timberlake said yes to coming to preaching at Orange Park, she has a word for you today. I believe that God is going to speak in and through her. I believe it's special for what she's going to share here today. So come on, why don't you stand to your feet and help me welcome our lead pastor, Jen Timberlake. I'm going to move that forward because I, um, I don't trust myself standing on those stairs. So I want to be a little closer to you guys. Um, thank you all so much. Uh, I am so, so grateful to be here today. Pastor Robert asked me to come first in December, but we had family in town at the time, and they had not yet visited us here while we were back gathering, and so I wanted to make sure that I was with them when they were at church for the first time, and then he asked me again if I would speak this Sunday, and I thought, wow, this is really, really incredible, um, because, well, you'll, you'll find out. I'll, I'll share with you at some point throughout today, but um, yeah, I'm just very, very grateful. I'm very grateful for all of you. I just want to take an, um, a moment first to just, can we just honor God and the way that he is moving? He is so good. He is so worthy to be honored and lifted up. The worship team, y'all, just, that was so beautiful. Thank you so much for leading us into the presence of God. Can we please give it up for Pastor Robert and Carmen? Man, we love you guys so much. We love you. I love you guys so much. I always, I always ask Pastor Robert when I see him, how's things going? Give me, and, and he freely gives me updates, which is so amazing. I love it, and I love to hear. Last time we had um, our, we have like once a quarter, we have these global all-staff meetings. And so all of our locations share about things. And Pastor Robert was sharing about just all of the incredible things happening here with the food distribution. And so I dubbed him Pastor of Provision. Him and Pastor Dixon in Zimbabwe, they're kind of fighting back and forth for that title. But we'll see how this year goes. I am believing that Pastor Robert might outdo Pastor Dixon. But what an amazing, amazing job that they're doing. So thank you guys so much. Thank you to the whole Orange Park team. We just like to give honor. Pastor Tim and I are all about honor because people are deserving of honor. God honors us with, our, with salvation. And so we should honor the people that make it possible to lift up his name. So I'm just very grateful for the whole team here at Orange Park. If you're on staff, give me a wave. Give it up for our staff here at Orange Park. They're a trim staff, but man, they're crushing it. We're just so grateful for you. If you volunteer here at Orange Park, give me a wave. Come on, give it up for your volunteers. If it's your first time here, give me a wave. Come on, give it up for our visitors. I know visitors, they're like, oh, I'm here, please don't call me out. Okay, I won't, I won't, but welcome. We'd love to meet you after. Lawrence, you're crushing it on the keys. Just make me sound a little more spiritual, okay? You just flow in and out with me. Stop if you want. Pick it up if you want. But I'm going to put you to work, and you're going to stay up here all day. Not all day, but as long as I'm up here, you'll be up here. Awesome. Okay, I am, uh, I'm going to read a scripture, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get after it. You guys, after I pray, you can sit down, okay? So Psalms 51 verse 7 through 13. I'm reading out of the ESV translation, and I'm actually going to put my glasses on. 
I was going to try and do this without them, but you guys will get better from me if I can see. So, Psalm 51, verse 7. Are you there? It says, purge me with hyssop. Someone's not there? It's okay. I'll wait. Verse 7. It reads, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Father God, I just thank you so much. I thank you for this opportunity, God, to come and stand before people, Lord. I pray that not a word I say would come from me, but every word I speak would come from you. I pray for the people receiving this word, God, that their hearts would be open and pliable, ready to receive the seed that you so desire to sow into it. God, I just thank you so much. Thank you for using a vessel like me, broken, tarnished, but made right by you. I just thank you, God. I thank you for this beautiful day that you have made. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. Now that I have my glasses on, I can't really see you guys very well, but that is okay. And if I get too close to the state, the edge, someone jump up so I don't fall off. Okay. How many of you like to clean up? How many cleaners do I have? Okay, a couple cleaners. Some of you aren't really, but you're like, oh, yeah, I gotta raise my hand. It's okay, I feel you. I didn't raise my hand, as you will notice. But when I do clean, I'm going to take a little poll, okay? When I clean, I'm kind of the person that's like, I'm either all in or I'm all out. I'm either like, I'm going, I'm just, I'm cleaning until it gets done no matter what. Like, I will just continue to work and work and work and, and clean and clean and clean. Unless it's my closet, which is really taking me quite a long time to clean. However, most of the time, I'm just, I'm going to clean until it's done. And then you have people who just tidy. They, they keep things tidy. They clean every single day. How many people do I have that are like me? And they're like, I'm going to just like, I'm going to jump all in. And I'm going to clean and clean. Okay, a couple. We're the un more anointed ones, I feel. And then some of you just, you just do it in like little, little sections. Is that most of you? Okay, good for you. I, I'm not judging you, but I am a little. Just wishing I could be more like you. Okay. So we had family in town. We've had, my, my parents came into town um, at the end of November, and they just left yesterday. I know everyone go, oh, I'm so sad that they, they've gone. But you know when you have family coming into town and you have guests coming into town, you like, you clean? But you, you do like, you wash the sheets and you, you clean everything, of course, but it's a little different if you have guests than if you have family, if you have family like my parents. I cleaned, I, I got everything ready, but I maybe didn't clean as well as if I had had like a guest. It's family, right? But even so, it's not like a deep clean that you're doing. You're not really getting rid of things when people are coming to stay with you, are you? It's not a deep clean, is it? Yes, no, talk to me. It's like you're going to take things, maybe there's some clutter, and you might find a drawer to put it in. Right? You're like cleaning up, but you're not really cleaning up. You're going to have to figure out what to do with that cluttery drawer after they leave. It's kind of like when we come to church, we put our church faces on. Right? We go around people we don't really know. 
we stuff all the stuff that we don't want people to see over here, and then we put our best faces on. But today, I want to talk about really cleaning up. I want to talk about, like, the deep clean that the Lord does in our lives, in our hearts, and what this scripture is telling us about. So while my dad was here, he asked me, he said, Jen, what, can, what, do you want, what do you want help with? How can I help you? What do you want me to do? My dad is a doer, and he has truly been the most beautiful reflection of a loving father that I could ever imagine. My entire life, he's been so supportive. He has just, my sister and I, I'm a twin, if you didn't know, and he just, his whole life, he worked so that he could support our dreams. He never missed a soccer practice, let alone a game. My mom and my dad took their vacation when my sister and I went off to college to play. Um, we played soccer in university. We were a package deal. And my parents would take their vacation around our preseason, and they would travel to, we went to school in Washington. I lived in Vancouver, Canada. They would travel around and watch us in our preseason. So they, would, they drove to Texas once. They drove to California. They drove to Oregon. They drove, of course, to Washington. And they would drive every weekend when we would have home games, and they would come and watch us play. They just, the support that they showed us throughout our life is a reason I believe that I have a picture of love from my Heavenly Father. So my dad asked me, how can I help you? Like, what, what do you really need help with? Like, well, Dad, I need help cleaning my garage. <laughs> it, it, is, it is a mess. It is a mess, and I really need you to help me. Like, I, I can't do this on my own. I've tried, but I can't. So... Knowing that he was leaving this Saturday, we did it on Tuesday. So I'm like, okay, we got to get this done. Dad, come on. Today is the day. Like, let's do it. And he's like, okay, I'm here for it. Let's do it. And honestly, as we're cleaning up, even before we started, I really started to see a parallel to my own life in cleaning up my garage. See, as I mentioned, this day, like, I, I'm, I'm shocked and amazed and just, like, in awe of God because today is only a couple days short of a very significant day for me in my life. As some of you may have heard or maybe you've heard me say before, I was in a really bad accident. Well, that accident happened on January 31st. So Tuesday will mark the 10-year anniversary of my accident that changed my entire life. I mean, it, it changed everything. I lost everything, but in losing everything, I gained an entire life that I never could have imagined. And so I always reflect. I always reflect around this time. And man, it's been so amazing to me. We've been in this homecoming series, and of course, this homecoming series is really uh, circled around the prodigal son and the story of the prodigal son. And I cannot tell you how much I see myself in that story. And then, and then we, my dad and I, we start to clean up my garage, and I'm like, man, my life is a culmination of a messy garage and the prodigal son. And it's crazy. See, the garage is the kind of thing, it, like, it looks good from the outside. We've got a two-car garage. It's like, oh, that's, um, that's great. I love our garage doors. It looks nice from the outside. But then the, the door <laughs> goes up, and you're like, oh, yikes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they can only get one car in there. <laughs> it's a mess. It was a mess. I'm, I am opening myself up to you people. Don't judge me. It was a mess. And I could not clean it myself. I, like, I could not do it by myself. It really did. It took my father to help me clean it up. 
See, and scripture gives us such a beautiful look at this because our lives are exactly the same way. Look at what it says in Titus 3, verse 3. I think they're going to throw it up here, I hope. I did send you my notes. Look at that. Which can't be said I did not send them my notes for our women's conference. And I was like, yeah, sorry. You guys don't get sorry. I forgot. So I was more on top of it today. Titus 3, verse 3 says this. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But look what it says in verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration. That means the cleansing or a spiritual cleansing and removal of sin. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Man, here's the thing about cleaning up as it's applied to our own lives. We can't clean ourselves. You may have heard um, Tim talk about how a fish, when you catch a fish, you can't, it, it, the fish doesn't clean, ourself, clean itself. Just like we can't clean ourselves. So if you're taking notes, point number one, we can't clean ourselves. But this isn't, here's the thing, this is not just point number one. This is like point number one to infinity. We have to always remember this. No matter where we're at in our life, we must always remember we can't clean ourselves. We have to always depend on Jesus. Always on Jesus. See, there's stuff, just like my garage, right? There was stuff that was too heavy for me to move on my own. There's stuff that's too messy. It felt overwhelming, like it was just, it was so messy that I didn't even know where to start. And man, my life before Jesus was so messy. It looked so great from the outside, but I was dying inside. It was a mess. I had been through so much. There was just trauma that I hadn't dealt with, hurt that I hadn't dealt with, pain that I hadn't dealt with, that I just pushed aside and focused on something else. But because, this scripture said, because of the goodness and kindness of God, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's like a supernatural cleanup crew. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We desperately need all three to get clean, to get renewed, to get restored. We cannot do it on our own. And if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, you won't really understand how his blood washes you clean. If you don't have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, you won't have the wisdom to know what you have to extract out of your life. If you don't have a personal understanding of God as your father, you won't understand how he lifts the burdens off you as a good father does. We need him. And it doesn't matter where we're at in our own life. If you have been walking with the Lord for 50 years or you have been walking with the Lord for five weeks, every one of us needs him. We need him to clean us constantly. But here's the thing, before we get clean, we actually have to acknowledge 
that we need cleaning up. Point number two, acknowledge it. See, it was a little bit easy to ignore the mess in my garage because really you only need your garage to pull in and out of. You pull in with your car, you walk through the door to your house, and then you can magically forget that everything is there. <laughs> it doesn't matter. My house is clean. It's beautiful. I mean, it has a lot of dinosaurs around, and they're almost always somewhere on the floor, somewhere on a counter, somewhere in my, like, my living room is my, like, sacred space. It's where I just sit with the Lord, spend time with the Lord. It's where I studied for this message. I really do believe if you walk into my living room, there's, like, a shift in the atmosphere. You just go in, and it's, like, instantly spiritual unless there's dinosaurs all over the floor, and then it's, like, a little less because the world has now entered into my sacred space. The world being the miraculous little boy that is Maxwell. <laughs> but it's easy to ignore what's hidden away. We do it all the time. Right? Our marriage is suffering, so we spend a little more time at work. And our, our job is going amazing. So we go early and we stay late because I'm successful there. So that's where I'm going to put my time. And then your marriage suffers more. Your kids suffer more. But we don't want to acknowledge the things that are, that are tripping us up. We don't want to acknowledge the mess that we might have created. And so we find ourselves pouring our lives into things we already have success in. Or maybe you're, this was me. I was in some really toxic relationships. And so being in toxic relationships, then you just kind of continue to be in toxic relationships. And you might go from one toxic relationship to another, but they're always toxic. But I wasn't going to do the work to figure out why, what has happened within my life. I have an incredible family. So why am I allowing myself to enter into these really awful relationships. Well, instead of doing the work to figure it out, I poured myself into my job. I was, okay, you know what? I'm not even going to be in a relationship. I'll be in a situationship, but I'm not going to be in a relationship. <laughs> That's just honestly the truth. Because I was really successful over here, so this is where I was going to put my time, and the situationship would just be what it would be, and I'll just, I don't need to really care or deal with it because I'm never really going to, I'm never going to commit. I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do that. This over here doesn't, I'm, I don't have time for it because all my time is going to go here because this is where I'm successful. And honestly, it took a massive, massive moment in my life to acknowledge I really need to figure some things out. But look what it says when we don't figure it out. Matthew 23, verse 25 through 26. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate. But inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. We can't walk around with one success over here and a mess over here because the mess infiltrates the success. It doesn't matter if we have everything together over here, but our lives are falling apart over here. We have to acknowledge it. For me, it took this soul-shaking, life-altering, literally rock-bottom moment, come, like a true come to Jesus, not like a kind of come to Jesus. It was a true come to Jesus where I was like, I lost everything. I'm literally in my apartment. I can't leave my apartment during the day because I can't go outside into the light. I'm in a dark room for 
nine months. Then I go to neurotherapy for nine months. I'm testing like I'm like seven years old. I can't tell you what two plus two is. I'm like, God, how did I get here? But do you know what took that for me to actually acknowledge the rest of the mess in my life? which was really unfortunate. And this this is why I talk about it and this is why I tell people because I don't want people to have to experience what I experienced just so they can get their life together. Like I had to lose everything to be found in Christ, to understand who he created me to be. Because here's the thing, cleaning up, once we acknowledge it, Once we acknowledge we can't do it on our own, cleaning up means cleaning out. That's right. When I was cleaning up my garage with my dad, there were just some things that, like, we really had to just get rid of. We had to decide what to keep, and we had to decide what to throw away. And you know what's amazing is that I was able to trust my dad with things that needed to be thrown away. I didn't have to micromanage it. Like there were just some things that he threw away and I could trust him with that. He knows what I need and he knows what I don't. And our heavenly father knows what we need and he knows what we don't. If he's telling you to throw something away, if he's telling you, you have to leave it behind, trust him. He knows better than you. Ask yourself, what things in your life have contributed to a mess? What things are you holding on to that are contributing and covering up the life that you were actually created to live? What things is God asking you to get rid of, to strip away, to leave behind that you're still holding on to? Each of us have to ask ourselves this question. And it's not just one time in our life. It's constantly. We have to constantly take inventory of our heart. We have to constantly take inventory of our lives so that we can become more like him. The goal of this life is not... I'm going to have a white picket fence, and I'm going to have a dog and three kids, and I'm going to have a husband, and we're going to get off right at 5 o'clock, maybe sooner. We're going to retire when we're 40 years old, and we're going to live this magical life. It's actually not the case, and will never be the case. The goal of this life is to become more like Jesus. But if we don't allow God to clean us, we will never acknowledge that. And sometimes, I, honestly, sometimes that's actually kind of hard to hear. Like, what do you mean the goal of this life is to become more like Jesus? Like, I have a lot of goals. Good for you. I pray you accomplish every one as long as they are in line with the will of God. I am, I am like a champion. Like, I am, I, my whole life I was this huge, huge dreamer. But I never dreamed with God. And it's one of the greatest regrets of my life. And now I'm just like, God, I don't even have dreams for myself. I just want what you want for me. That's my dream. My dream is that that I I want what God wants for me. My dream is that I I see him move and work in my son's life. That he uses my husband and I to do whatever he wants us to do, great or small. No thing is bigger than another. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14 says this. How much more then will the blood of Christ, 
who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Here's the thing. In other words, this is what this means. The blood of Christ makes it so that our conscience or what we view as right or wrong is cleaned and it's marked and guided by holiness and kingdom values. That's what it means to be cleaned by God. To be made more like him so that we see the world more like he does. So that our, 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 our moral compass is directed by him. It doesn't just apply to our deeds. It applies to our words, our relationships, our thinking, our pride, our egos, our need for control our past, our hurts, our inability to forgive. It's the entirety of our lives. The Spirit of God gives us wisdom as to what we need removed from our life, like I said. When I got into my accident, I really felt the Lord, I, I mean, I... My brain wasn't really working right, but I could hear God so clearly, like clearer than I've ever heard him before. I tell Tim sometimes, I'm like, I kind of miss those days, not like the hard stuff of those days, of course, but like I really miss that. I, I mean, I could hear the Lord clearly, and I felt him prompting me to give up secular music because I had an unhealthy relationship with secular music, as we all can. I one, as an athlete, if you're ever an athlete, you kind of listen to angry music to get you ready for a game. You just got to get in the headspace. I'm going to take someone out today. <laughs> and I was pretty rough. So I needed a lot of angry music. But then I, that angry music kind of carried on throughout in a lot of areas in my life, and I became very angry. And I had been through a lot of trauma and like I said some really really bad relationships and so I would listen to music and it would just like it would feed the anger within my soul and so when I felt God prompt me to give up secular music it was really so that I could not be taken back to that place and that he could fill me and this is a funny thing like I couldn't even really recall so I would read something and I couldn't remember what I read so worship music it would it, it washed over me as if the, the word of God were singing over me. And then once I could kind of read again, I would read the word and I would realize that the songs that I was singing or listening to was actually the word of God just being sung over me. And it was such a moment for me where I was like, God, you just poured out yourself over me over and over and over again. So for me, it was music. But then it was also people. It was also people I had allowed in my life. And so I had to let some people go that I knew were not from God. They were not encouraging me in the things of God. And so I had to let that go too. And then it was my past. Some of the things that I had dealt with in my past that I was still holding on to, that I was so afraid, that I was so hurt. Here's the thing, until you expose it, God can't remove it. Until you really come to the place where you're like, Lord, wow, I didn't realize it, but man, this has got to be taken out of my life. No matter how much it hurts, it's got to go. Because I can't be who you want me to be until that's gone. And sometimes it's our hearts that need cleaning out. Listen to what Ezekiel says. Chapter 36, verse 25 through 26, it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And then it says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart 
of flesh. That scripture means he will remove the heart that is hardened. The heart that has been hardened by life. The heart that has been operating in protection for you. Understandably so. But it has caged your heart in a way that seeds of love can no longer enter in. That the seed he wants to sow into your heart is falling on hard soil. It will, he will remove that from you. He will remove the heart of stone. And he will give you a heart of flesh. A heart able to receive. A heart healed from the wounds. So that you can flourish in all the things that he's called you to. But the thing about it is that big messes mean more work. And I can tell you from experience, because my life was a really big mess. I only have three minutes left, and I want to respect time. But are you guys OK if I continue to go a little longer? OK. Here's the thing. The longer you add to the pile, the longer it takes to clean up. I had cleaned my garage about a year and a half ago, and then it just got messy. And it just got a little bit messy at first, and we just needed like a place. I had made, this is why I go over time, because I go on tangents, but still, I'm quite, I'm actually proud of this. Lord, please don't humble me for this, but I made Maxwell during the pandemic a giant cardboard Thomas the Train cutout that he could wear. It was pretty amazing. I was impressed with myself, okay? But I just couldn't get rid of it. I like just, he couldn't really fit in it anymore or he didn't want to fit in it anymore. But it was just like that got put in the garage and then I've got the, I, I like to take on like prod, refinishing furniture projects that sit for like two years before I actually get it within myself. I'm like, okay, I can do this. And then I go for it. So that got put in the garage, and then things got put on that, and then our coffee machine broke, but Tim is convinced that he can get it working again, so that got put in the garage, even though we bought a new coffee machine, so do we really need it? Regardless, that got put in the garage. So there's just things, and then there was more things, and then more things got piled, and then there were things that I didn't even know were there because we had just piled stuff on top of stuff on top of stuff. So very quickly, my life was like this. My past traumas were like this. Not quite 10 years before my accident, I had given myself to God when I was in college and I got baptized. And it was like the greatest moment of my life. And then about a month after I got baptized, I got raped. And I didn't blame God for it, but yet I didn't chase after him in the same way that I had before. And I never told anybody. I just, the trauma just kind of enveloped me and it changed me. I didn't even tell my twin sister. I told her seven years later, but I told her this happened to me that's why I think I have an unhealthy relationship with men, but I don't want to talk about it. I just need you to know because you're asking me these questions and I need you to know, but I don't want to talk about it. That's it. And I just kept, and, and I had an, a very successful career, so I was like, I'm just going to focus on work. I just want to focus on work. I don't want to ever get married, so it doesn't really matter. I don't really have to deal with these things. And then I got in my accident and I started having nightmares reliving the moment. Because one trauma will bring up another trauma. And all of a sudden, now I was having to deal with losing everything in my life. I'm t I can't tell you what two plus two was. And I'm now having nightmares every night 
reliving what once happened. Because all I had done was cover it up, and I hadn't dealt with it. Thank God. Thank God that I had a brain injury that forced me to reconcile my past so that I could walk in my present and my future with the one true living God. Honestly, it was so much work. It was like a year and a half of so much work. And it was more internal, emotional, mental work than it was physical work to get back to what you see now. It was so deep. It was so hard. But it was so, so worth it. I, I am standing up here today because of my father and because of the work that we did together to clean up my life. I would not be here today. He, he is no respecter of person. I am no different than anyone else here today. I am no different. If he'll do it for me, he'll do it with you. All it takes is a submitted heart. The reward is worth it. We see it in the scriptures. The reward is a clean heart, a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36, replace your heart of stone with a heart of flesh. The reward is eternity with a savior. Heirs, he calls us heirs to the kingdom. Titus 3.7, justified by his grace, we become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The reward is a new you, and not just a new you, a you that's like exceedingly abundantly more than you can think of or imagine you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. And look at what it says. Psalms 51, it ends, verse 13, it says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Like, I stand here a living, breathing testimony that the word of God is true, that he is faithful, that he is kind, that he is merciful, that he is gracious and good and a loving father. He desperately wants to clean us. He desperately wants us to submit ourselves to him so that we can be made new and knew how he created us, how he always intended for us to be. But life and the world made us messy. The reward leads us to a life of holiness. See, it shouldn't be our goal to be cleaned, renewed, restored, simply so that we can just be in good moral standing with God and others. Rather, it should be that we would be in holy relationship to God. I just want to read this. This is a paraphrase of a portion of Alexander McLaren's exposition on Psalm 51. He was a pastor in the 1800s, and it's so beautiful. Holiness is a loftier and a truer word than morality, virtue, or the like. It differs from these in that it proclaims that surrender to God is the very essence of all good. 
while the latter seeks to construct a standard for human conduct or a foundation for human goodness without regard to him. The world and even the church often settle and fall back upon a pale and colorless phrase rather than employ it. But these are inadequate for the purpose. Man's duties can never be summed up in any expression which omits man's relationship to God. Do you seek nobleness, strength, and beauty of soul? A true cleaning. Learn then that all of these are found in and flow from the one act of giving up yourself to God and in their truest perfection are found only in the spirit that is his. See, this is a holy life. It's possible only when we are found having our hearts and our lives cleaned and our spirits renewed by God. Which, of course, brings me back to point number one. We can't do it on our own. It is him and only him. It's beautiful because I started this by reading Psalm 51, verse 7, saying, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. But listen to what it says in John 19 when it speaks of Jesus on the cross. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That is no accident or coincidence. The word is the living, breathing word of God. He writes his story from the beginning to the end. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. He is everything we need and more. So I just want to I just want to take an opportunity to extend to each of you as you stand up. An invitation. No matter who you are, no matter where you're at in our life, in your life, each of us need our Father to help us to clean us, to restore us. We need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus that washes us clean. If you find yourself in a place today where you feel like you need your heart restored, if you find yourself in a place today where you just want to set your sins at the feet of Jesus, if you want him to take away that heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh, if you just want to say, God, just make me more like you, I submit myself. If you want to take a step in submitting yourself to him, maybe you've never really sat with that concept before, that your life submitted to him, guided by him, holy and fully that you desperately desire to seek holiness in your life. Maybe you don't know Jesus and you want to ask him into your heart today. Maybe you've walked away. Whatever it is, I just want to give you an opportunity because he wants to know you. He wants to know you deeper. 
He wants to walk with you. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. He wants to clean you. He wants to make you new. He wants you to become more like him. He wants you to know his spirit. He wants you to know his love intimately, personally. So I just want to ask you, I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads. I just, no matter who you are, if you just, if you feel that, if something resonates with you, I just want you to put up your hands and then we're all going to repeat this prayer. Because this is me too. This is for me. I want this desperately. I just want you to repeat this after me. Oh, Father God. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Make me separate from evil that I may be so. Claim and keep me for your own. As you have done with the Sabbath, among your days and with Israel amidst the nations, so also do with me. Lay your hand upon me for your own. Let my spirit, O God, know its destination and union with you in being yours i will be clean dwell in me that i may know myself as yours seal me with that gracious influence which is proof that you dwell within me and the pledge that I dwell with you. Take not your spirit from me. Help me to grow in relationship with you. Jesus, I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. Father God, you are my provider protector. May your influence be the only influence I need. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom in things that I could never know without you. Speak to me and guide me so that my life would be a reflection of you. Thank you, Lord, that I can call you Father and I can call you friend. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.